Okay, folks. Uh, good morning. Is everybody awake? Okay, I'm glad it's not until lunchtime. So hopefully, you should concentrate. All right. So, uh, Krishna Mantri is a friend, good friend of us, uh, me and Satish, and uh, we know each, each other since '95, a long time ago. Right, we studied together. And Krishna Mantri's wife is Madhavita. Uh, Madhu is here, graciously accepted our invitation there on a short visit from University of India. And uh, they were able to spend some time. Thank you very much uh, for our advice. Um, she's very good. So she comes from uh, a product uh, owner, product management background. She worked in several uh, big and praised organizations like LinkedIn, Yahoo. Uh, uh, so she's right now working at Star Trek, and uh, certainly she has been working with her right, to see if uh, we can also help around the data side of things. Uh, while we are engaged in that uh, opportunity, um, she has been very uh, gracious again to come here and talk about the product management. Uh, 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 how how does it work for the services business like us? Right. So a lot of insights you will hear, but again, let's keep it in time to see if you can ask more questions. We'll be happy to answer them and things like that. Right. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, I'll give it to Madhu. Thank you. Hi everyone. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I want this uh, chat to be free now. Um, I have a few slides to go over. It's more for my reference to navigate through my thought process. But I love this session to be more interactive. So before I start, I would like to know how many of you are product managers or product owners? We have BAs. Not we don't have okay. any. We have business analysts here. Okay, business analysts. Okay, how many of you are business analysts? And can I know like what is the distribution? What what all do you do? Are you all engineers or uh, working with mostly uh, with the uh, tech uh, big tech companies? What's right. your background? Lucky you are your founder. A lot of these guys. So we are data company, right? Uh, a lot of these guys work on the data side of things. Our niche area is MDM. So you'll see a lot of uh, uh, developers around ETL, right, and MDM. And also there is an application development group which works on products. There are a couple of products that we are working. One is Migration Factory, the other one is File Central. Uh, so we have that mix. We have a lot of digital assurance guys who are QA basically. Right. And uh, beyond that, we have some BS. And I, I don't think not all were able to attend, but uh, some of them are on the No, two, two people are on Teams. Uh, on. So they work remotely yeah. and the rest are here. Yeah, so that's the distribution. Thanks for sharing the distribution. So but to summarize, most of you are data enablers, and then some of you are application developers. So great to know your background because I want to navigate my conversations accordingly. So today I will be talking about vision to values, product management for services business. So if you can go to the next slide. 
a quick intro about uh, me. Um, most of you probably know by now who I am. Um, I'm not going to read the entire deck, but how I evolved, I started my journey from somebody like you uh, working for services industry, and then I moved to US, mostly work on a product, internal products, and now working on external like enterprise consumer product. Um, I'm also a very entrepreneur mindset, so I have a bunch of uh, side gigs, and I enjoy writing, and uh, I, I'm a podcast host as well. And uh, recently, LinkedIn has awarded me with the uh, top product management data science and AI voice. So um, based on my knowledge so far, thank you. Um, I'm going to share some of my experience with you all. And I also follow a bunch of product influencers and leaders I work with. Uh, so a lot of knowledge that I'm uh, going to share with you all uh, is about that. And I'm not a service industry product manager specialist, so I do not claim uh, that expertise. However, I'm a B2B PM right now, and I see a lot of synergy between the two areas. So uh, I'll be focused on that. Plus, I'm coming with data background, and since you all are in data, and these days our data is evolving towards being seen as more like, like a product. Earlier, it was more of ETL or um, just uh, migrating data, but uh, things are changing and uh, data product is evolving and you should treat data as product. And uh, that's what my background and a lot of those experience are bringing in today from that. Um, I'm currently working on some of the latest technologies, real-time analytics, uh, which is uh, powered by Apache Pino, and I build a, I'm building a product called uh, Anomaly Detection Software. It's called Strategy Third Eye. Uh, it's based out of Apache Pino, and uh, it tries to detect outliers in your data uses data science technologies. And it's one of the latest one, which was evolved, incubated at LinkedIn, and I'm now trying to uh, get to product market fit and take it to the market. What is the next slide? Trying. Anytime I start uh, talking about any topic, I start with a quote that is faded to me. And today's uh, quote, I'm inspired by Joel, who had shared, vision without action is like a dream. So you can have a vision, but if you don't have an action, it's like a dream. And an action without vision is just simply passing time. So if you combine both, uh, then you can possibly change the world. So I'm a strong believer of that uh, and uh, being part of LinkedIn, I was there for quite a long time and LinkedIn is also a fond believer of getting shit done. Uh, that's what we mostly see. Um, accountability is one of the core values we used to have and part of it is also uh, like dreaming big and getting shit done. So that's what I believe uh, and then I'm going to focus more on that today. So I'm, uh, how I'm going to talk about this topic, uh, starting with product management landscape to uh, to share with you all like the big picture of product management. If you ask 10, 15 years back, there's no product management in general. And a lot of the information that I am coming from is I live in a Silicon Valley bubble where there is strong uh, practices of product management. But outside that bubble, uh, there are different types of roles which are eventually evolving into product management and one of those as business analysts. I'm, in, I'm from engineering background, so even engineers are becoming product. 
just multiple streams or uh, like uh, lines of business or background you can evolve into product want to open it? Uh, but there is a difference between what is product and versus other roles so i will be focusing on that as well so this will be the agenda i'm not going to read the slide um, we can move on to the next one um, so product management landscape, uh, this is based on my experience and how the future is going to be with Gen AI coming in. A lot of people are um, getting augmented with a lot of AI technologies, what you could do before. Maybe some of the roles are getting eliminated with AI. Um, however, there are new roles that are opening up and there were a lot of questions in how the product management uh, area would evolve. And, uh, as you can see, these are the different areas where product is evolving. One is uh, definitely the role is changing. It's becoming more dynamic uh, and kind of listening to the market with the latest tech trends. The role is evolving always. And if you ask, like as I was saying 10 years back, there wasn't a work stream or a role specifically for product management. But now uh, there's a clear um, uh, need for that. And especially in data, I've seen um, it's very cross-functional in nature and a lot of innovation is happening. So I can see that product management is a stream that is growing in this area rapidly. Uh, the second one is uh, as uh, we are growing, uh, the data is also growing with us, the complexity is growing and decision making is becoming more data driven. And that's where data-driven decision-making is another area in product management evolving because most of the time, being a product manager, you have to make a lot of decisions. And uh, it's also part of it, art and science, but data plays a big role. So that's another area I can see upcoming. And it's in, in a way good uh, in terms of a lot of products being built in that area. And given you all are from data background, it also kind of indicates the opportunity you have uh, or is there upcoming. And customer centricity is another big area. Earlier, like what the way we used to react and respond to things is more um, action oriented. Uh, but uh, we always forget like who are we trying to solve for and what are we trying to solve for. And that's one big focus area which is coming up. And that's why uh, if you're not sure how many of you are familiar with data democratization, um, that's another big area trend-wise is upcoming where you are building, not only being a data enabler, but you are making sure that the data is self-served by end users and that's where the customer centricity, the focus is coming. Um, rise of product operations is another big area that's also being seen. And in the bottom, the things that I have listed mostly focused on the leadership. Uh, but uh, in addition, like augmenting the leadership role, there are different tools and frameworks being built, even to uh, kind of um, help product function work efficiently. And uh, there's also the global market and metrics measurement, another area which is also evolving pretty fast. And metrics is another area which I would like to highlight where our data is uh, another area which is boosting uh, some of these. Go to the next slide. So in order to navigate this complex landscape, and this is what is evolving in the future is going to be what I shared. And it's based on my experience and plus Marty Garvin, who is one of the product influencers. And I'm part of uh, Sriya's product club as well. And uh, Sriya's is one, one other product influencers who are kind of able to see what's 
uh, the future of product management or how the product space is evolving. And most of that area that I discussed is based on that. And in terms of skills, like what kind of skills you need to navigate through this complex landscape? So um, as a PM, I feel like whether you are in service industry or some other industry, doesn't matter, but the core skills that you need to hone is uh, creativity and design. That's how I see first, uh, where you are building products in which are more customer-centric, um, and you need to have a good design sense, creativity, uh, so that you are, you are kind of dwelling the innovation and taking the product forward in the direction of uh, product you are determining. Strategy is always uh, a key pillar because you need to know how to play to win. So you can have a strong vision, um, but you need to know how to play to win. It's a big factor in PM and PM leadership, especially that's needed. And execution is another strong pillar because you have a play to win, you have a great vision, but you're not able to execute. Then that's a big challenge. So that way execution is a big pillar. Uh, being a PM, uh, you're not uh, being uh, in charge of anybody. So that makes the role very hard. Um, and that's where the influence without authority comes into play. Whether you're working with engineers or developers or cross-functional teams, or you're working with your customers also, sometimes um, you have to play the role of influence without authority across all these groups and managing up and down. So that's very, very important. Critical thinking is another big area, which is very, very uh, important for product managers and product management function in general. Uh, because again, uh, as, you, as you are doing, uh, you are taking decisions, you have to wear multiple hats. Uh, and then uh, that's where your critical thinking angle comes up. And most of the time, we are very reactive, like if we are uh, given something and we try to act on it immediately. But uh, being a critical thinker, you can take time and uh, in, uh, consider everyone's perspectives uh, and make a informed decisions. And sometimes it could be that you are wrong and you should be open for it and then being acceptable about that and have always a learner mindset. And being empathetic and a good listener will help you to be a critical thinker as well. The other parts I'm not talking about as much as you can read, and most of them are very uh, clear. But these are the different skills. Now, you might have the question like, uh, so many skills, how I can develop myself and grow in that area? Do I need to hone all the skills? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, that product management function itself needs 25 different skills. Uh, but you don't need to own all the skills. Uh, just listen to your superpower. What is your superpower is like, for example, if you're BA, you're trying to transition to PM, then your strengths are uh, translating business requirement to uh, technical specs or understanding that that's the place you want. So it comes into execution. So you can start uh, being a great executor and evolve into other areas. So always listen to your superpower, what you're passionate about, what what are your career goals are, and accordingly you can shape your uh, direction and career in PM if you're any of you are interested in PM field. Can go to next. So um, before I explain what the role of service product uh, product manager in services industries. I wanted to touch base on why I always love the word why being a PM. So why product management is important in services industry. 
So um, most of you might think like, okay, there's a product, then we start with why, why the product is needed, what problems it is trying to solve. And so I apply the same analogy if you're working in a services field also. And given my background in B2B, uh, I'm also an enabler of services, not like core, uh, core product building as such, or selling a product to end users, but we are helping enterprises to scale and adopt. Uh, data at scale. So uh, given that background, I always felt uh, there's a need to explain why, what's the impact you are trying to build. And uh, that's the core for anything, whether you're building a data product or any other product. You need to start articulating why. Similarly, why your services are important, how it's going to help the end users, what is your value prop, like being a service industry as compared to other service industry. Same analogy we apply when you're building a product from ground up. Uh, you are always thinking what is your unique value prop like, uh, compared to other product that's out there in the market. Similarly, your services, like how your services are going to be unique. Like maybe you're using AI-powered services where things are very quick and you're very great at like customer services and being an excellent service and Customer services, that could be a great example, uh, starting with why and what impact you're bringing in. So that's one thing. And uh, how you can accomplish that and some of the examples I've listed there, like rolling out personalized programs um, in service industries, which may not be common across others, could be a great example. Another one is interactivity, which is very, very important. And uh, the way I see service industry also a customer support function um, where you are trying to interact with customers so how your interactivity every contact the uh, sales to post uh, delivery the entire interactive uh, experience how you can make it awesome and that's where the customer centricity customer focus element of product management comes into picture and that's how you can um, influence this area the other one is innovation in engine even though you are in services industry, but you are actually thrown at, thrown at multiple use cases. Um, with my current situation where I'm building a, a product from zero to end, one thing is very important to all my design partners I'm working with, what kind of use cases, what kind of problems they have, and which use case we can solve better. And being in service industry, you are exposed to multiple customers and who have multiple use cases. So you are able to see those very quickly than many of us are in we are very quick box in one area. So I think you should take that advantage um, and then take that into consideration and fuel your innovation engine that some of your customers may not be able to say. Most of the time customers, uh, what they say, uh, what they are actually telling you in a way they are solutioning for you. So you always need to step back and think a little forward and say uh, what is valuable for them. And you can also fuel uh, innovation engine and come up with great ideas. So I see that uh, services industries are most strongly positioned out there, which we are not leveraging as much. Uh, the other thing is, of course, the data-driven metrics measurement are very common, but what you are doing, how you can measure success. For example, you're providing services, how you can measure success that your services are up to the mark. Like measure, you can uh, certainly do NPS score, or there are different ways you can 
capture the interactivity from your customers. So if you are um, using a product to provide services, you can collect those data and draw insights and understand your customer behaviors, how they are using your services and how what else you can do. So you can uh, definitely make it more data-driven based on that and what kind of new services you need to launch or what kind of new programs, uh, things like that. And uh, in service industry, building lasting relationship is very, very important. And that's a, also a very important uh, quality of your PM as well, um, because uh, building great relationships means building trust. And once you build the trust, uh, the customer will listen to you what you're recommending to them. So that's a very important and key pillar. Plus, uh, staying engaged, right? Uh, we talk about product retention. Uh, once you launch a product, the initial phases, awareness, then adoption, then retention. And retention is a lot of time, a lot of the time we ignore, and it's easy to uh, get the awareness and adoption done, but retaining the users are extremely hard. In services industry, you can do that with a great relationship management. In B2B space, also have seen that uh, being a very critical pillar. So um, I try to put together what are the different skill sets needed for a service product manager, but what is core to be successful in a product service product manager is outcome. Uh, another day, all it matters is outcome. So what outcome you're influencing, how you're influencing is different thing, but what outcome you're going after. Same thing happened with me uh, when I was working in consumer-facing product, I used to enterprise now in a B2B space. Uh, I was initially taken by working at a startup, you have to wear multiple hats. So I was wondering like, why I need to do this, why I need to do that, it's not my job. But when I stepped back and saw as a PM, I own the outcome. I own the outcome. So whatever is needed to make that outcome work. Like for example, your engineers are interested in only developing but not testing. So if you don't have a testing function, then you step up and do the testing. Or you, you don't have a sales guy who's selling your product. You're in zero to one space and uh, your company is not sponsoring, right? Uh, or the... Uh, sale of the product, then you step up and being the sales fan and start selling your product. So that's what is needed. That's what PMs are for uh, driving the outcome. And once you start driving the outcome, the impact is uh, already seen. And then obviously that will follow more adoption investment in your product. So um, I see the service product management role is complex as compared to many other because you are also playing with a lot of complexity, uh, thrown at a lot of complex problems to solve for. Besides that, uh, you have to establish a lot of processes uh, because you're working with multiple customers. They have different processes, you have to adapt to that. Uh, and then there's no one size fits all. Uh, and you're interacting with a lot of people and plus technology. So combining it all, providing the great customer experience is not an easy game. And that's why it's very complex. And uh, in order to do that really well, the skill set you need um, a lot of time. We ignore the visionary part. Uh, but I see that as, as a very important thing, like to understand why and what we are doing. Because most of the time we start doing it without realizing the why. 
And that's where uh, the challenge comes because then you struggle to explain why the service you are providing or why the product you're building is important for your end users. So apart from that, the remaining, I think most of you are aware, are not going to be all the skill set. Um, but these are some of the skill set which is important for you to be successful as a service product manager. So now, um, as we are talking about uh, service product management and the way product management spaces evolving, there are different roles. And a lot of time, I faced that myself when I was working at PayPal. We had a business service function as well and PM function, and also the PO, the product owner function. And there are a lot of overlapping, completely agree. And I, uh, there's also overlap with engineering or R&D you're working on. If you have techniques in the team to say, like a lot of, lot of the time, uh, most of the functions that PMs are doing um, overlaps with all these. And it's not that PM is here to replace anyone's job. In fact, the way I see is we, how we are complementing each other. If there's a gap, as I was talking about earlier, another day you own the outcome. So if there's a gap, you fill that gap. Uh, but we are not experts in that field. Uh, like, for example, I'm not an expert BA. So I would rather leverage somebody who's coming with a lot of skills or background with that. Being a PM who is able to navigate through all of these, you are seeing the uh, you're leveraging the strengths effectively and getting the stuff done for the vision you have laid out. That's what is more important. Uh, so knowing the differences helps. So what PM uh, does and what BA does, but not necessarily that these roles are interchangeable. Uh, it's just role is a name, but if you are if you are somebody able to do all of that, why not, right? Uh, but knowing this clear distinction also matters because sometimes what happens I've seen and I continue to educate my team members also. For example, my tech lead who wants to uh, become a PM and do my job, which is completely fine. Uh, I can definitely focus on other things, but the core skills the person needs to own and run with it is very important. If you have additional time, you can always do that. The way I see the difference between a PM and a BA role is PM is always comes with a more of a visionary background, thinking big, big picture, you're thinking ahead, staying up to speed with the trends, looking at the market landscape, what your competitors are. And with a strong ownership background where they are bringing and blending the service life cycle with the customer experience, um, there's nobody else at banding or time. It's not that none of you are not capable of doing any of this, but it's more of a bandwidth issue and somebody looking at that helps you as well because what efforts you are putting in, um, it's put in the right direction. So those are some of the skills I see like a PM uh, or roles, uh, responsibility PM versus a PA. When PA is more into details, right? Uh, you are translating the requirements into specifications. So uh, when I transitioned to PM, one of the things that I suffered with is imposter syndrome because I used to be in details and own a lot of things. And then I had to step back and let somebody else do that. But it was the right choice at that time to do because if I'm focusing on other things, I don't have bandwidth and time to go detail and deep dive into things. So PA plays a very important role and I always uh, looked up for PA when I was at PayPal. Now I'm in a startup, so I don't have those uh, resources at hand. 
So I see that as a big thing. And then uh, closing the gaps between business needs and technical is a huge thing, which most of the time ignored. If I'm playing this role, I'm not probably doing this job well. There's always a, a, a gap as we move forward. And uh, it plays a big role in that. And the process ownership is another one I always relied upon uh, when I was working with PA. The next slide is about uh, difference between product manager and product owner. Um, so a lot of these big companies like LinkedIn had a function called TPM, and I'm sure you all might have heard it as well. It's technical program manager. Uh, every company has a different uh, roles and responsibility of TPMs. Some uh, companies are very focused on program management only, uh, but companies like LinkedIn or Facebook, they are also technical product owner, uh, to some ways, uh, and uh, the, the way I see is inbound uh, PMs, they are uh, kind of in Amazon terms, they have inbound and outbound PM, um, and somebody can play also hybrid role. Um, what I meant by inbound PM, so you are an inbound PM who is bringing in the voice of customers, you're deeply involved in prioritization, you're uh, laying down the user stories, managing a backlog, working very closely with developmenty. Now the product owner can be a tech lead himself, or it could be a dedicated product owner who is trying to do this, like PPM function, usually involved when you're working on large scale product uh, and large enterprises. But if you're working a small project or scale, then probably don't need a GPM function to begin with. So that's the product owner part. And then product manager is something more strategic, as I was talking about earlier, thinking big, like what are you planning in the next one year, two year, three year? And Google PMs are most of the time expected to also think about 10 years because they are always going after moonshot ideas. So that's the PM angle uh, or the roles and responsibilities. And PM also get involved in prioritization, but at a much higher level than going deep into each feature prioritization, but more in terms of the key outcomes, key deliverables you are aiming for. Um, so you have been in LinkedIn, Facebook, we were very closely following the OKRs uh, principle, um, and some of the OKRs are defined by the PM or in um, collaboration with the engineering leader. So uh, PM plays a big role in defining those OKRs, and that's where the uh, prioritization comes. And the way I prioritize is uh, there is a concept called pebble, rock, and big rock, and pebble and sand. Big rock are the big ticket items which is more in strategic in nature. Um, and then we have the uh, pebbles, which are continuous enhancements you're doing to your product running feature releases. And sands are the low-hanging fruit, most of the time frictions. So the way I usually plan the OKRs is uh, based on these three buckets. And in the product space, like I own a data product. So I look at what are the customer friction points are there. Uh, focused on like, uh, that being one of the areas uh, which falls in sand. And then enhancements, the pebbles for are in example, say I'm planning for a feature rollout and uh, I bucket into that. So every time uh, this is a structure or framework I follow, but there's a theme and guiding principles I go after. So that's the next 
uh, slide I'll be talking about. Um, so after talking to the role differentiation, as you're clear about what are the different functions and how they differ, now um, how to go about uh, vision to values uh, in anybody like who are interested in PM function, or you can need not be the role, but how you can take a vision to values. That's what I will be talking next. So if you can go to the next one. So um, to practice vision to values, there are a couple of core pillars that we need to focus on. Uh, the first one is embracing any challenges or opportunities for service product. You're calling out service product, but not necessarily service product, only any product area, but embracing the challenges and looking out for opportunity, what's out there. Always looking for something that did not exist before um, is a very key thing when you're thinking about vision and thinking about the strategic direction. And once you have that context, so the way you can do that is uh, market research, understanding your customers, how they are using a product or a service and understanding their journey and uh, what solutions are there and what are the gaps and where do you want to go that's where you establish a clear vision and strong values. I'll be giving giving more insights into each of these in my next slide. Uh, but just to set the context in these areas, the other one is big factor is like aligning uh, the different cross functional functional teams in addition to customer needs and mapping that to your company values and uh, what your business goals are. So, um, for example, in your company values, if you are directed more like taking more ownership, then you take that as a value and uh, think about aligning your customers based on that. For example, your customers is not listening or have other challenges. Uh, one a good example, recently I was enabling one of the customers where the engineers, I previously worked with uh, Dodas, uh, the engineers are much more smarter than some of the other company where they are very young engineers. So while working with them, uh, I found that there were a big challenge in terms of adopting our product because they were not skilled to like kind of do some of the uh, course uh, infrastructure. So uh, one angle I could do is like, I can say uh, to my uh, product leadership, hey, uh, these guys do not have the right skills and uh, probably I'm not interested in working with them or maybe our product is not ready. Another way to look at if your value says that act like owner and being a strong accountability, then you step up and see how you can help the customer side of the thing, like how you can help the engineer, like will you can you provide something that engineer can be successful. So that's the value thing that I'm bringing it up uh, here, which is very, very important uh, when you're putting vision into value as a practice and um, making decisions based on business goals. So as a PM, sometimes we are very biased in making decisions what is good for the product will be completely ignore uh, the business uh, angle to it. Like what are your business goals? Sometimes it's okay to walk away from a, a deal because it is not aligned with your business goals or company values or direction or even like the product direction you would like to take. So having that clear picture um, and then uh, following that is very important and that's where the guiding principles matters a lot which is the core values and that helps with the long-term success.
So this is probably one of the last slides I have. Um, so how do you develop a vision to value uh, for service industry especially? So start with the problem as I was talking about, understand your customer, who are you trying to solve for the problem? Because who is very important? Most of the time we are ignored and we are so much into building an awesome product and making it really work in a smart way, but we forget about who are we solving for. So starting with the what problem we are solving for. And also it, it's very, very important that if the problem is solved by somebody else at a much e easier way, or efficient way, then uh, you're spending probably or wasting your effort in doing something that's already solved for. So those are some of the key things that you need to understand. And goal part we already spoke spoken about. Core values are already uh, talked about a bit. Uh, one example I can give um, at PayPal when I was building the enterprise data discovery platform, one of the guiding principles uh, was um, building customer centricity. So everything that I was doing or making decisions were around based on that core values. And uh, that's what the guiding principle will help you while making decisions. Then you are making choices about whether you want to build an automation versus whether you want to build a self-serve experience, which one you would prioritize and where your efforts need to be. That's where your guiding principles also comes into picture. And sometimes your guiding principle is an enabler in making them efficient. Then in that case, you will focus on automation rather than like building an awesome self-serve experience. So that's uh, what uh, is guiding principles and how it helps decision making. And then also an important um, skill or an area to focus on when you're practicing visit to value. The last but not least is you always need to show the impact. Uh, recently, I encountered a problem like we uh, rolled out the product and uh, tried to renew the product uh, at, uh, with our customer. And uh, the customer wasn't very clear with the impact we are delivering, especially in data area, it's very, very hard to showcase the impact. So it's very important right from the beginning, you need to think how you can showcase the impact. One of the examples is you could possibly create dashboards or with customer success stories, or you can translate like what are the cost savings you are bringing in to the customers, uh, which is uh, not very straightforward, but you can definitely build some of the calculators and uh, having the explainability, which is very important in data storytelling and having that and showing the impact is important. And it is also a good indicator that you are looking for whether your customer sees it or not, uh, but you should be always measuring yourself and while you're practicing this interviews. So I think that's all I had uh, probably today. Um, so, uh, I strongly believe that product management function is an important function for service industries, with, uh, the complexity, how it is, and um, definitely mastering that and building a function around it will help uh, you to grow your service and, and also work on things that are really impactful for your uh, service, uh, sorry, for your customers. So that's what I wanted to share in Did a pretty much like talk. Uh, would love to hear any of your questions or you have any thoughts or what you have come across, any challenges. Um, love to help you all if you have any questions.
so uh, we open the floor for questions. Uh, and uh, the VP of Trains, if you have any questions, you're free to put it on chat. I'll keep a look. Thank you so much, Mamita. Um, so you talked about three uh, core skills, um, design thinking and influence without authority and then uh, the critical thinking. So uh, when we talk about the influence without the authority, I believe each and everybody needs that to um, you know make sure there is no handholding. Maybe service-based or B2B and wherever it is. And what exactly it takes and what kind of mindset it needs to be a person to be in that position to be. We're asking what it takes to build that skill, uh, influence without authority. Okay, it's a big area that I, I don't know if I can cover in a short period, but I'll try to answer uh, what I know so far. I think it starts with mindset, um, having the right mindset. And then the second one I uh, think about is building uh, trust. So how you can build trust, there are different ways you can build trust. So one of the examples I or things that have worked for me, uh, you need to also understand the other person you're working with, right? Um, what is their language? In some people are more action oriented. So if you do things for them, they like, and then that's how you build trust. And once your trust is established, then influencing them will be a lot easier. The uh, other part that I talked about is mindset. When you are going go with a learner mindset, I to learn always not to go with a point that you wanted to make to the other person. So go with a learner mindset and try to understand. Most of the time we do, do not do that. And then we completely miss from where the other person coming from. And there's a book around it, Never Speak the Difference. It's a great book. I'll highly recommend uh, to read it because it has uh, definitely influenced me a lot. Um, apart from that, there are other influencing techniques. Sometimes you work with difficult people and then uh, whatever you do, you can't influence them. In that case, I believe an escalation path and establishing that escalation path always helps and then escalating uh, when things are not working. Having difficult conversation is also very important uh, when it comes to influence without authority. Um, most of us are not comfortable um, and it's not easy to start with here to start practicing. Uh, there's a course at LinkedIn had taken by Fred Kaufman who was also coached to Jeff Wiener who was CEO back then. Um, it is called Concierge Business. I think he has a blog and a website as well. highly recommend if you can go through. It talks a lot about having difficult conversation. And it's a practice that you need to make. But once you start doing that, it's a game changer. This another uh, concept is also radical candor. So if you're very open about uh, what you want and why you want and giving the feedback, um, it can be a game changer. Uh, of course, it comes with the risk when things do not go well. For example, you're trying to quit your job and you go to uh, your leader um, uh, safety team and then tell them, I want to quit my job, but this is why I want to quit my job. Uh, most of the time I've seen, they are empathetic. They understand because a lot of, things, a lot of the times, a lot of these thought processes are going in our head and we make a lot of assumptions. 
and uh, those become some blind spots and then we take some uh, drastic uh, step, which is actually not that uh, difficult. If you go and have that conversation, it's they, most of the time they're welcoming. If somebody is not welcoming, of course, there's a risk that you will end up losing your job. Um, but um, then it is not, the place is not meant for you. So these are some of the things that I have uh, seen working for me and uh, some of the books I've read and uh, practiced. Uh, so that's where I say these are the skills one can build slowly uh, to become influenced with our authority. Uh, again, you're rightly said, it's a skill set everyone needs to have, and especially in service industry, it's much more needed. So, um, but being a PM, it's a core pillar. Without that, you can't survive because uh, nobody is reporting under you. I'm sure like, if you're working in a service role, you still have like, reporters under you, you have more control over. But being a PM, you're not, nobody is directly reporting to you or any role that you are in. Uh, kind of influencing your customers or team or anybody uh, influenced with our authority plays a huge role. Did I answer your question? Thank you so much. And I had one question for everyone. So what is the impact of generative AI on the AI on PM? Yeah, I was, uh, I touched base on that. So, so as I was showing different skills and how the PM function has evolved, if you are somebody, and it's a good, great example is Airbnb recently, their product function uh, got rolled under product management function and it kind of uh, no longer exists. So part of the reason is why, um, because the things that the PM function was doing, uh, the core PM values were not strongly established. We need a strong product leadership to do that. And because of which, everybody started seeing them as a product marketing person and that's why the role function got rolled, on, uh, rolled up under that. Similarly, when Gen AI is coming, Gen AI is doing a lot of things. Right? You can write a PR very quickly out of Gen, Gen AI, right? If you're a PM who was writing just PRD, obviously you can think your role is getting eliminated. So I think setting the focus, understanding the things that I talked about, I see PM more of a soft skills person than to like technical depth, but you need to be technical to understand or each function because you're working in multiple functions. So you need to understand each of the function, how they work and filling the gaps when it is needed, but not just focusing on one thing that could be easily replaced by GNAI. Uh, of course, it is evolving in 10 to 20 years. We don't know how the PM function will be. That's why it is dynamic and keep changing. Um, what I remembered in past also when technology is always evolving and there was typewriter, then there was Xerox machines, things uh, kind of evolved in the computer schema. So people who used to be typewriters, their job is gone, right? So similarly, uh, those people probably evolved and uh, adopted new technical skills. So with PM function, I think honing the creativity, creativity, design sense, and the collaboration, communication, leadership aspect that cannot be replaced by Gen AI anytime unless uh, you're building humanoid. Uh, we are a bit far from that, I believe. Uh, so that's how I see. Um, and then I see more of Gen AI being augmenting 
um, aspect of PMs, you can build a system for yourself because PM function always needs 10, like multiple things can do. I always run out of time. And uh, with JNAI, definitely I'm now able to play a multiplayer role. So I don't see it as a trade. But one thing I need to do, in, um, and it's not PM for anybody to do, right? Having a growth mindset and how you can continually, continuously grow with tech, evolve with tech is very, very important as we are thinking about future. Absolutely. Any further questions from the floor or on what's from Ethel or on top? Don't be really shy. You can ask any question. No questions that are wrong. Uh, my question is around uh, the VAS here, right? And there are some seasoned VAS we have Ashwin. Can you raise your hand? Raji. We have a couple of them, Imran and Nazia on the call. And there are several aspiring ones. We have Vintage, we have Prodite, and there are many who actually took uh, training on BA, want to be pointing to the BS. One of the career path uh, that I see, and I kind of talk to these guys who are in, you can be a QA person season at some point, become a BA, and then you can be a solution architect, right? And finally get into right, the delivery and other, other angles to it. But never thought about the angle where you become a PA and then slowly transition into product product manager kind of a role. Is that even possible? And what do you think these guys need uh, to enhance to get into that? Yeah, great question. So uh, as I was talking about PMs, 25 different skills, and you have seen already, and knowing your superpower where you are coming from, there's definitely always a path to get into PM. Um, However, you need to know what are the gaps you have. And being a BA, I think your gap could be uh, more in terms of taking a product to end, right? Launch and then delivery aspect. Most of the time, you just spend breaking down the business requirement to technical uh, specs, and then maybe your role ends there. Sometimes you're just testing features and making sure it has high quality, but you're not cared as much like what is the end state of that product looks like or how you should save up your product and that's the gap I see that you as a BA or a PA person you need to close. So there are different trainings that you can take. When I transition, I've done a bunch of things. For example, you can always take trainings. Free courses are available now in YouTube also. A lot of uh, free courses available. Take one of those to get acquainted with what the product functioning general looks like. Strategy is one big area that not many of us have if we are into the details and that's another area to build. Uh, but these courses are very helpful and soft skills is another area so that needs to be practiced. Um, and there are courses like from product school. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm also a graduate from product school. They are, I think, giving also online courses these days, so you can take it from anywhere. The Once you take product school or general assembly is another one, or reforge is another community which is training the first time PM. And highly recommend to take any one of them if you're thinking about transformation to PM role. Once you have that, then you can advance in your PM career. And there are different uh, courses from MIT or Berkeley 
I've taken courses from Berkeley myself, and uh, that is helpful. A lot of people say MBA is not as helpful, but I have seen MBA is usually helpful for uh, becoming a PM because you need to know uh, the business side of the thing, business acumen. Although you're closer to business, like being a BA, working with business people, but you're not thinking from what are the business model look like or what's the pricing strategy if you're building a product or even like for services, how you would price a given service. So I guess um, thinking from end to end, filling that gap and is necessary, but it's not mandatory. Of course, you can start as a PO, like product owner. Then eventually it reminds you a path or a different paths one can take. And I do see that PM, BA and QA has a huge role to play because uh, a lot of time PMs are responsible for why and what and also making sure the product is working as expected. Uh, right. So these skills are valuable. Um, yeah. I, I think that's good enough for service industry, but if you're working on say R&D product, that's where you need the engineering mindset as well and being more technical. Um, even as a BA, it doesn't hurt being more technical, so you can always learn more technical even you're working in data space in general, right? Um, you do need to know the feasibility part, although you're not solutioning always, but you do, do need to have own the visibility part. And um, if you're working in service industry or um, even in startup where you are playing probably very multiple hacks, in that case, um, closing those gaps are important. Uh, playing that role like of a solution architect as you were talking about. So that's why taking this multiple roles helps you to groom you to be a better PM, but not necessarily that you always have to take that uh, complex part to get there. Did I answer your question? Yes, yes, thank you. We have a follow-up question from Nancy. Uh, I was one of our users working on play. So, adding to what Prashant asked, uh, what can be the starting point for a BA to transition to product management? Uh, I just answered actually, like reading through the three courses, one of the things. You can always hope. One thing I completely missed, which is finding a mentor or a coach. Uh, I have always worked with mentor and coach. And uh, the way I see also mentorship is not around, and especially if you're growing into PM role, um, you can have a board of directors uh, as your mentors from different backgrounds. And you should be talking to them. So first thing I would do that, like having coffee chats with PMs who are already PMs who are taken from BA to PM path. They may be closer to you and understanding. I've taken from engineering to PM path, so a different path. Uh, to speak a lot about PA to PM path, uh, but I'll highly recommend to find people. There are these days on LinkedIn, and there are different other platforms also. I think Talkman is another one in India. It is growing quite a bit. Can find mentors, and uh, I don't remember a newsletter that I follow. Very hello PM, I think. So that's a newsletter. It's written by somebody in Bangalore. He writes an awesome. Uh, blogs and content about first-time PM. So definitely those are the resources I would rely on to begin with and then uh, work on taking a course from broader school or general assembly or reforge. Reforge quality is the best and it is more the latest and the greatest. Um, so I highly recommend if the company can sponsor a reforge program, then people can enroll and take the, those courses 
Otherwise, there are also free courses available. Um, I would not recommend just start if you're serious about PM, then just don't go by free courses. It could be a good start, but uh, definitely take some PM uh, certification that goes long way. Uh, did I answer your question? Yes, looking at you. Yeah, she did answer. You have stated a statement at the starting of your presentation that uh, people have visions and they have dreams and you should combine them and make sure that uh, we achieve our dream in the most shortest and smart way. So my question was that uh, we have product owners who have the dream and who wants to achieve that in a uh, simplest way and efficient way. And we have multiple people under the product owners like uh, team leads, individual managers of the team and people who are like data engineers, we are building a product of data or any other platforms. What is the need of a product manager? What are the duties of a product manager? What does he needs to do? Because during throughout the lifetime of the product, the major role of the building of the product lies with product owner and the team. When you said you mostly told it like uh, it was like a soft skills kind of uh, thing, which is very needed for the PM because he'll manage the total team basing on what is required at what point and what should be done at a certain point. But what is the major requirement of a PM in a building a product? And once the product is done, what can a PM do in that product? Yeah, completely great question. So I don't know if you've heard his question. He was asking that uh, most of the work is done by product owner and the team are deeply involved in execution. So what's the role of product manager? Product manager are really uh, somebody who owns the soft skills part and collaboration or there's more to do and it's beginning of the product or after the product is launched, what product managers can help with. Well, um, I think I, that's not exactly what I wasn't communicating. Uh, I, the skill set that is needed for a PM was more around owning the soft skills, which is needed because you're, a, you're seen as a leader in that space. Um, in terms of what exactly the role is, uh, it's more about the visionary or big picture thinking. So being a product owner or the people who are into education are building the product, but you're not as much spending time thinking in the future direction, like what your product will shape up in a year or two or three. And are you building the right things? Are you trying to solve the right problems? Why are you solving this? Whom are you solving this? A lot of this work can be done by PM. If you don't have a PM, probably one of you are doing and, and then whether you're doing uh, like 100%, right? So maybe your superpower is to make the product to end an execution. Um, and the PM's role can be valuable in that space. Like it's more um, helpful when you're working on uh, zero to one space. But uh, if your question is in the service space, how you can uh, enable that in services space also, you can do the similar thing. You can think of um, how the services can be 
taken further, right? You're just living a point in time, but there could be more opportunity out there. You today, say, for example, for one industry, you are helping building a pipeline or working on an ETL. But what more you can do? Can you pick up some other dashboarding part which is not being done by your team? Those are the things identifying those opportunities. PM can play a big role there. And once the product is shipped, what PMs can do? I mean, before the product is shipped, PM has to do a lot of things in terms of GPM. Like when you're taking go to market, there's the goal here. You're thinking more strategically um, in terms of because anything that you're doing, there's a long term angle to it, how you can be successful in long term. And that's where PMs can come into play and then help with the long term sustainability. And when you're thinking about shipping a product, GPM, you need to think a lot of things like who are you shipping to? What, um, like if there are market segments, you need to think which segment you can offer your solution better because there's a place it's already crowded and you're offering your solution, you're competing with many others and your sustainability in long run will be harder. These are the things that we just need to think. And then when you're thinking about launching the multiple things you are thinking about, like are you meeting a specific business goal? What is your goal that you're trying to go after? And based on that, you define your target segment and doing a lot of things. Like messaging is a big part um, when you're launching a product. Of course, if you're translating back to now services also, I think messaging is a big part. Like what is, what is the impact you're going to deliver to this? How you're going to measure services? PM is also somebody who's looking into all that. Besides, I think the people aspect of it, right? Like being a PO or a deeply execution focused, your time is more involved, taken in building the solution, but you're not looking at the other challenges or what can what things can go wrong. And these are the things where PM can be also very instrumental in taking or adding value to the team. Did I answer your question? Do you have any um, any other like thoughts with uh, why? I mean, I I would be interested in knowing like why, what kind of uh, drove you to ask this question, or why you were interested in this question. I thought like uh, within a team we have a product owner means he has a final goal and he knows if he has a goal he is always constantly thinking how to achieve it in the smart way. So I thought, what is the major role of PM movement? What could he do once the product has been launched? Because when you just answered the question, you said that he will be doing a complete forecast of what is the market of this product? What is the reach of the product in the customer to the throughout the customer? So yeah, I thought, what is the use of the PM? You just said, right, you have a goal you're trying to go after, but it is very timed point in time. You're very focused on execution, but not so much in strategic, right? What are your goals for two to three years? Can anybody predict that? The predictability, the forecasting piece is very, very key for long-term sustenance. And uh, I think that is the swift in mindset one needs to have, like how you can from zoom out and then uh, do big picture thinking, then just deeply focused on goal setting and execution. That, that's the execution pillar of the evolving space that I was talking about. And that's where uh, the difference between a PM and PO comes to the slide that I was going over. Okay. Okay. Another question. Yeah, uh, not here, here. Oh, sorry. 
But in addition, you are also thinking beyond that because customer wise, anybody could bring in, right? Like if you have a PR team, maybe they are doing what PA team they are doing already. What supported trend thing that PM can do? Um, so definitely, yes, PM should get involved in AB testing, but work on keeping the larger uh, picture in mind and what is the direction the product needs to take. And based on that, like for example, if you are, uh, since I'm doing an update edition product, I can speak for that. So, say for example, uh, we are rolling out an update for a fraud detection use case. So, now if a PO or a PA is involved, they will be deeply focused on testing the fraud detection use case. But as a PM, I want to take this product further down and where I want to serve this product for multiple use cases. So there are other use cases other than fraud protection only. So when I'm doing A-B testing, of course, A-B testing is very targeted for a particular segment, but I'd like to see also what other opportunities out there right, for that particular segment. It's a fintech industry. Uh, today they are doing fraud detection, but tomorrow they could probably use a platform for monitoring uh, to identify some of their business growth or what are the leaks out there in their finance transactions. So these are the things that PM can do further thinking and while doing A-B testing or any other testing. A-B testing is probably not the right word, but in general, like PM can also play a great role, uh, but more in thinking of long-term picture in mind and sustainability. Um, because team is already focused on doing the details and current uh, features and goal testing. So, yeah, so the answer is yes, but thinking more in terms of the bigger picture. Well, let me tell you, that's why on customers centric. And so, in my previous account, um, uh, there is a process called CCD, which is customer centric design. And there is a separate department within the business which talks about customer experience. And then uh, there are a bunch of guys who are doing customer journeys and business processes. So what is the role of PM around these different things? Yeah, so I think you're talking about US uh, team, right? Uh, customer research, UX. Yeah. Uh, at LinkedIn also we CX. CX. Yeah. yeah. So LinkedIn also we had a team like that. Um, so the way uh, my function was at that time was collaborating with them, and all the all the time PMs are actually defining the buying model, right? 
So the research team, for example, I was at LinkedIn, I was trying to build a model and sending an analysis of the weeds, right? So, but we needed to do a bunch of research, uh, understanding what kind of weeds are in LinkedIn, uh, what kind of uh, posts are being posted on LinkedIn, are there political leaders posting stuff, or are there uh, communal parties posting their stuff on LinkedIn? So to do this research, as a one person team, uh, I can't do everything, and I'm not expert as, as well. So I need to rely on the research team, but define like this is what I need and why I need because once I learn these signals, I can incorporate and build my sentiment analysis model accordingly. So that's where the research team comes into picture. They deeply work with CFs. They do usability testing also in later part of the journey. But in the pre part of the journey, they do a lot of customer interviews, user interviews, and they know exactly once I define, they're great at asking because they have they are specialized in those skills. So as I was talking before, also PM is not somebody master of everything, the jack of all trades, master of none, sometimes I see. But obviously you are coming with some background which is stronger um, as uh, Prashant was asking earlier, like BA transitioning to PM, then your stronger skills is translating business requirements to technical specs. So similarly, CX, like you can be a CX background person who could eventually evolve into PM role, but being a PM, you can't do both. Like you can't be the CX person and great at it. So you have to rely on the resources and that's where your role is to define why and making sure what they are doing is done well. And then taking that input and taking that input to build your product, right? And uh, decide what's the path or direction you want to take. Right? For example, if a lot of people are posting political content on LinkedIn, then maybe the sentiment analysis model should be trained in data which are more political in nature. Right? So that kind of decision that PM uh, are taking most of the time. And uh, that's the input they're getting from the team. You don't need to be a CX expert, but you're defining what the CX team needs to do and taking their feedback and input and incorporating to set the direction of your product. We have a couple of questions or things. By the way, the time is going over for so we said the next chapter. Yeah, I'm fine. As long as you all are fine, I'm not sure if you all are hungry. <laughs> Lunch time. Uh, so, uh, Rajesh should be asked, uh, as a PM, how can you effectively contribute to a PO role or help a PO and BA balance short-term and long-term goals? Great question. So, again, going back, as I was talking about, um, you're not somebody who will be direction to people, right? All of you are capable of what you're doing and you are owners. So act like owner is a core pillar that I strongly believe or core value rather. So being a PM out there, for example, being a PO, you will be interested because as a PO, you are inbound focused. You have a goal to achieve, but you do not know what other things could possibly go wrong, which is beyond your knowledge or, or maybe bandwidth as well. So that's where you can always uh, leverage the PM and ask, hey, I need this information. You can be also directed to the PM. PM is not a directive role. Like it is, PM is somebody who's trying to bring everyone to make the dream come true, right? So um, you can always leverage. And if the PM has the strength, 
sometimes PMs do not have the strength, then obviously they can't help with PO. Like for example, translating uh, like more of a, a requirement to more detailed spec or managing user stories at backlog. Um, although you can always train the PM also to do that because my team at a startup, like we don't have PO, dedicated PO or uh, dedicated QA. So sometimes, hey, you pick up this task and to uh, do this task for us because we don't have bandwidth or time. You can always leverage because PM is also part of the team and then leverage as much as possible. Um, I don't mind like rolling up my sleeve and uh, uh, doing any work, except uh, these days I don't code anymore. <laughs> but uh, you can always leverage for any skills you have. Uh, I have a follow up question. So, uh, I mean, having a career in Silicon Valley, I, I was doing that. Uh, one of the things I keep seeing is a lot of technical folks at some stage, right, instead of becoming that business, and not get done, they go towards product management. So, technical guys moving to product management is something that I've seen. But does a consumer or a relief among the seniors? Including some of the relationship that I've seen is a, lot, a technical guy uh, as they grow in their career, they kind of distance themselves in understanding the functional functional part of things. So that's why it cannot be a VA, right? That's kind of the angle that we uh, see. Is that true? And what do you think? And how do they come out of it if some of these technical want to be a VA even a solution advocate? Yeah, I mean, given I'm from the same background, I've gone through that challenge. Um, it's always easy for me to dive into the solution space, but stepping uh, back and looking at why understanding with uh, the business requirement or um, even like business requirement when you're working with business, but most of the time if you're working on R&D function, it is the end users that you're building products for. And understanding their need uh, was very important. The way I have developed that skill is, is uh, jobs to be done framework, which is very popular. Um, highly recommend if you're not familiar, practice that as much as possible. There's no sort of answer to that uh, apart from practicing it. So you can start with playing the role, even if you're in solution, solution space, right? So you can practice those jobs to be done in. Maybe pick up some BA task in the team and start doing that. I didn't mean not be doing in a great way, but always have a mentor. As I was talking about, I worked with mentors, PM mentors before I transitioned. So I worked with a couple of PMs who uh, kind of helped me to close those gaps. Uh, so that's one way to do. Uh, there's no sort or straightforward answer. Uh, it's a challenge because your brain is wired in certain way. You're always solution focused, then changing that. The other thing I could think about is complementing, right? Like if you have somebody in the team who can do that role better, then you focus on more on the solution side uh, and then uh, leverage the person who is expert in the business acumen. That's why the space is right now evolving. In fact, in our space also, we are talking about more of inbound and outbound team. So outbound PM are uh, mostly focused on translating or working somebody who can understand business well, translate the requirement well, and then inbound PMS who is building the features and delegating. Um, at LinkedIn also, we had a concept of business PM um, who were working very closely with business teams and their role was specifically 
translating the requirements to technical requirements and then the teams will pick it up from there. So yeah, so that's what I know so far. Um, hope I answered your question. Sure. Um, team member Rajesh asked, as a PM, you have all the data to back your decision, product roadmap, product market fit, GTM, what competitors are doing, what problem we are solving, what is important, not important. At any time, will there be a difference? Uh, okay. At any time, if there's a difference of opinion that arises from the product owner, how do you convince the PO if uh, that happens? If there's a difference that happens, how do you convince the PO? I think going back to it, you had asked this question about uh, influence without authority and illegal conversations. So, I guess first thing is to understand, uh, I mean, both for PO and PM, what, why they're coming from, why the differences are, understanding that the step one, right? Understanding each other, uh, building that empathy with each other. Um, that will help each other. Like I, I, the way I can imagine PO might be coming with an angle of education focus and what are the challenges could be. And PM might be thinking more on strategic and long-term sustenance is going to be a challenge. So both of them openly talk and empathize with each other, great. But sometimes there is um, personal values and things come in a picture and you can still have conflict. In that case, look at the big picture, right? What's your business model? What's the company goal and what's good for your customer or uh, good for your user. I think that could be a uh, direction one can take. If two of them are not able to come to a conclusion, then at LinkedIn we had something called five-day alignment. Uh, so that's the time box period in five days you need to align with each other so you can always work your escalation path, leverage and but when you go to escalation path and go like trying to escalate, the approach we used to take is both the parties would recommend why they're recommending what. And there's always encouragement that um, one path can be taken. Ultimately, there will be one decision maker. It could be the CEO or whoever is the head of the group. And then after hearing both the parties, they will make a decision. Okay, we will go with this. Then whether it's PM or PO, whoever, the decision might not be in favor for you, but for better good, for better good of the company, sometimes you have to uh, agree with this every. Um, so that's the approach you can take and uh, have a resolution. Thank you. Uh, so as uh, we are out of time, we'll take one final question. Uh, any other questions? Can you put it on chat? Let's do Prakal. Prakal, you have a question. Uh, so, uh, is it really uh, used the candidate scripts for the PM or manager? Great question. So, I, I guess I've heard different things given my background in technical. I am working on a technical product or data space in general. You need to be technical as a PM. Uh, because you need to understand the feasibility part as you're thinking of the long-term sustainability. And if you're an innovation PM, then it is it becomes even more critical to be technical. That's why a lot of engineers become product uh, person because uh, in R&D phase, it is a must-have skills um, as you're thinking. Because if you are working on, say, building an ML model, 
then obviously you need to be somebody who's great at algorithms, right? You can understand the algorithm. So you can innovate a new type of algorithm. But um, another angle to that is not all the products are technical products, right? And there are products which are more functional product or which are more application oriented where you're leveraging certain technical capability and bring like converting that to an app and uh, rolling it out. In that case, your skill sets will be more primarily understanding the customer's customer journey, translating that to a technical requirement. Uh, so in that case, you don't need to be technical, but most of the Silicon Valley companies that I've worked, on, uh, worked uh, at, they definitely look at, look at um, technical background. Last question. So uh, I've been as a certified PM from DMI and also been through training on go-to-market strategies in bond and outbound. So uh, I just want to clear my uh, question on product owner and product manager. So the owner actually takes care of the uh, 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 functional like uh, and if, if there is a big huge pro uh, product to be built for a customer then there will be a lot of functions that needs to be worked on so there will be multiple product owners in that project right so uh, and the project manager actually deals with the uh, uh, long goal of the project maybe the five-year plan or the three-year plan is it that uh, it happens in real time because I've seen this in Amazon, so I just wanted to have this answer. Are you talking about project managers or product managers? Product managers, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so project managers, product managers, product owners, these are very overlapping roles. Um, product owners are more focused on, as I was talking earlier also, they're more focused on near term execution and goals and obviously in that function also you have to collaborate with multiple teams uh, maybe development teams and workings with that as a pm you are also external facing right like there is somebody looking up to you in, in the customer space or market as well so you are representing the product or the team externally as well and uh, internally as well so yes you could work with uh, largely product initiatives where you can work with multiple POs. Maybe sometimes you also work with multiple PMs. Um, for example, if you are working on an application site and it is using a core ETL feature, and there's a PM for ETL or ingestion. So sometimes you have to work with them and give your requirements to them and uh, make that happen. And it, sometimes there's a PM in that space or just a PO. So you have to work with either of them. And in real time, yes, it happens. Um, it's definitely cross from the peers. Sometimes I've seen also some of the PMs only focus on strategy and um, scaling a product rather than being like very later focused on one specific product or feature. Platform PMs play uh, into that role more. And that's why probably at Amazon you saw that more because Amazon builds a lot of platform and services and tires are built on top of it. Uh, that's the reason why you see that. And yes, there is inbound PM and outbound PM. 
And at Amazon, that clear distinction is there because they are a platform company. Uh, in platform companies, our strategy can have scale product initiatives. So that's why one PM can work with multiple POs, multiple PMs, things like that, and they could be bound or bound. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that's answered it very clearly. Thank you. And uh, one more thing, there's a myth uh, that's going on, like uh, just now, Fractal and so many people asked that a technical guy cannot uh, step into the product and manage a role. So, um, so I just want to be personal about uh, my career. So uh, it's just been uh, five and uh, about uh, years of experience in my uh, career so far as an IT guy, and I've been more into technical uh, fields. And I've got certified on uh, PM because that was my goal. Like I wanted to be that. So. Uh, uh, how to remove that myth uh, from someone's mind if <laughs> they think that a technical guy cannot perform a PM role? So, I think you understand also why the person saying that maybe they know you very closely. And a lot of time people say that because even I have experienced that right? in my initial days. A uh, lot of PMs I talked to, they said my PM is not a career path for you. Um, it's all about what you believe, what you are passionate about, and why they were telling there is a reason to that, right? They were thinking that in my current career path, if I continue to grow, I will probably grow to a higher role or I could be more influential than starting PM career fresh, right? You're again stepping down and taking up that. What they did not understand at that time and earlier the career paths were very ladder kind of thing. Things are changing right now. Uh, career is a journey. You can take different paths to get there. And that's the, I, I don't think so. You need to prove might to anybody as long as you believe that you can be a great PM. All you need to find out what are your gaps and how you can work towards closing the gaps. And luckily, like earlier, that wasn't the case. That there were a lot of people who were helping other people to succeed, right? But these days, that's not the case. There are a lot of people who are trying to help us and PM from different backgrounds, whether you're technical, non-technical, to become a PM. Uh, so you just need to believe on that. And one of my mentors had said, if a PM is the right path for you, as long as you believe, you need to find that answer for yourself. And one key answer is if you can do that role without getting paid for it. So that's where you know the answer, whether you enjoy that role or not. And then starting with shadowing somebody or doing a side thing will help you to understand more like whether you will be able to succeed in that role. And also building that support system, I did that. And luckily, the people that worked at LinkedIn were very supportive about my career transition. And that also helped in my family and friends as well who were very supportive about if I changed to PM, I can see my husband, he was very uh, supporting, always encouraging me. So you need to find those people who are your support system. And uh, there's no why. You need to believe in yourself. Um, last question. Sorry, person. So uh, before uh, starting my journey into IT field, so I've been uh, like uh, leveraging the startup, like. Uh, uh, MSME kind of stuff. So where uh, I've, I've had a R&D in Hyderabad in Nagul, 
So now it's now I'm not part of it, but uh, still at that initial phase, I've seen a need uh, for someone to take ownership of the entire product while the technical team works on the technical stuff. So uh, what is your suggestion for Bluemetra? If we have a product manager here, will it uh, help us to move forward on a long term? And uh, if we would have a project manager, product manager here, so how should we take those steps? Right. First, the person, product manager. So if your teams are um, working on with somebody like the customer side, so sometimes the customer side also they play a PM hat and they probably think it's strategically for their product or service area. So you need to identify that. Besides, I think um, you can still format product function here in terms of if you are planning to build products that the team can sell to your customers. Uh, but you need to find out if there is an opportunity for that. Uh, there's always things with our team side, you can still look like anybody can do the PM role, like you can work on things and first work on things and identify those opportunities. I can see which opportunity you can influence. And then you can talk about why a PM role is going to be helpful. I don't know a lot about the Metra, so I can't speak exactly whether you need a PM function or not. But uh, definitely try to understand who are your customers, what are you working on, are there any gaps that PMs can fill, or there are strategic thinking needed, nobody else has time and bandwidth to do something media to step up and Trying for that gap. Like, product and PMs are not overworked to be done. You take the ownership and you identify the opportunity and go and tell them, like, this is what the need is and this is why we need. Um, that's, uh, that's what is needed. And since I don't have enough context, I won't be able to say one way the other. But you can definitely look after these and then take a path forward. But if you need a product, Thank you, Fabric. Um, Prashant, uh, I would invite you to say a few words. I think this is the first engaging talk we heard. Uh, we call this group house, so there are several speakers and uh, speak to our audience. And uh, quite insightful. Thanks for all the questions that you have asked. Mabu uh, is available on LinkedIn. I think Emma uh, can share the details and with her. Uh, as she said, you need mentors, right? And she can tell you finding mentors, or probably she can be herself a mentor. Uh, if you ask anyone. Hello, thanks. I was followed uh, follow since from last one up here. I was part of all such problems. Part of the group stuff, I am saying that we yeah, so she's an evangelist. I don't know if you is uh, from Greater Lincoln. She's a uh, uh, podcast with great folks uh, in the enterprise in the industry. So uh, go ahead and uh, look at that if you're more interested on uh, this function. Uh, can we take a picture of her? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for listening to me lately. Can you stick with me there so we can take one picture with Grace? You probably sit here.
Thank you. Thank you. One with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank Thanks, folks. Uh, we'll stop the call.